0: I think, you know, like Christ knows us, he knows us, he knows what the fall did, he knows the damage and consequences of the fall, and how, from the fall, how natural we've become. And we became, you know, we fell from being in Christ before the foundation of the earth in the spirit, and then fell into this natural fleshly posture and position that. Has all of its ways, and it's so natural to love a child, love another human being with all you are. It's what the culture, of the world says you're supposed to do. You know, it's fine, Mister or Missus Wright, then have some other people, and then you know, buy a house and just live for you and guard that, like protect that with your life. And so, you know, it's God has to do a deep work on the inside of us to release us from the state that we're in called the flesh. And to baptize us with His power and His fire, which cuts and severs ties to the natural, the earth, and frees us from being earthlings into heavenly bodies living on earth. You know, and there's, there's two two people. There's either people of the earth or the people of the kingdom on earth, and they're very distinctive people. And God is wanting to reform us from earthly people to kingdom people who serve his purposes on earth, but we're not associated or attached or live as earthlings. We live as heavenly beings on earth because the same spirit that rose him from the grave lives in me. And the purpose I was given the Holy Spirit was to lead me to the fullness of being a spiritual being, a heavenly being like Christ was, on earth, living from heaven while on earth. And so thanks, Rodney. That's huge. And uh, just testimony of the power of God when we're willing to surrender and let him in. And he promises he will do a profound, deep work, which then enables us to live in a type of way, a kind of life that the son lived in. And, um, you know, we're going to look at um, faith, Today and over the next few weeks because faith plays such a key part in being able to live the life I've just talked about. Um, and so, you know, it's um, it's interesting because when you talk to people, um, what is faith? And you know, we're going to ask that question today. I think we confuse faith and trust a lot. And we think they are one and the same thing when I personally don't believe they are. They are a brother and a sister. So they're related, but they're different. And um, faith that sees is what we've called this. A faith that is able to see an unseen reality, receive it, live from it. And so, um, if you got the email we sent out, you know we've we've sort of sent out the scripture. I'm just going to start a little bit earlier than what I gave you guys. Um, So I'm just going to start in verse 37. It's just one verse. It says, "For yet in a very so this is Hebrews 10:37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay." Talking about the Son, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Hebrews 11, verses 1, I'm going to just read 2 as well. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Verse 2, for by it, faith, the men of old gained approval. And so the men of old, the people that we're just about to read in Hebrews 11, gained approval through this thing called faith, their ability to see in an unseen, know that unseen, and then live in accordance to that unseen. And so Abraham, who was credited as righteousness, the father of faith, who was made right, was made right through his faith. So when he approached God with Isaac, he offered up Isaac without any hesitation because he knew he had faith that this was a type of Christ and God could raise him back to life. He also knew that Isaac had a promise on his life that he was going to be the son. So Isaac was not going to die then because the promise was not yet fulfilled and what God says happened. So Abraham has two aspects of this faith. He knows God can raise his son up and he also knows, has a promise that the son is going to be king and the nations are going to come through him and that hasn't happened yet. So I go into this with absolute confidence and a conviction of faith. So he didn't trust because he knew. And trust is what you need when you don't know. When you have faith, you know. And so you just enter in and you're very obedient to what he says. And there's no gap between what he says and when you act because you know. See how powerful faith is? And it says that we are to live by this thing called faith. And so I want us to unpack verse 38 mainly Um, today and then as we keep moving through we're just going to unpack more and we're going to go on a massive journey of looking at this great faith what's that? Jesus says to his disciples you have little faith then Peter writes about this faith of a kind of spiritual faith and so it's not just this thing that somehow we get by we just need faith to get by and hope God's going to come through for us no that's probably more wishful thinking than faith You know, It's not just, oh my goodness, I really hope God comes through. No, no, it's a knowing, it's a confidence, it's a conviction, it's an absolute assurance of what you know is, and you can put your life on him and give him your entire life, which is what we're called to do, aren't we, because of what you have called faith, rather than something you don't have called wishful thinking maybe, or like an empty hope. And so it's really essential. So, you know, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And I think it's key to look at this righteous one um, before we even get into faith. So, Sam, thoughts around that verse, mate? Good morning, everyone. Um,
1: yeah, this is a, a massive verse, eh? and I think it's it's interesting to me that as we start this theme of faith that we talk first about Um, about righteousness and the role that righteousness has in this whole faith dynamic. You know, it says, but but my righteous one shall live by faith. And I think, to me, you know, righteousness is such a powerful thing. You know, um, Greg and I were dialoguing earlier in the week about what, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to know that we 've been made right with the living God and to have the reality of our rightness engraved in our hearts? I, I think it, to me, I just think back um, you know right back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, and that Adam and Eve started well and started in fellowship with God, but something happened at the fall where they went from being in fellowship to God, with falling out of fellowship with God, and and all of a sudden, where they used to have a, a connection and a deep knowledge of His acceptance of them, all of a sudden, um, you know, they ate the fruit and they were trying to hide from Him and to sow fig leaves over, you know, um, as, as a physical covering. And to me, it's a it's a typology of what happened when we died the spiritual death. And to me, righteousness is such a foundational piece of the gospel because it reconciles us back into right relationship with God. Where um, I, I, I think that I, I certainly know that for myself, when um, you know, when I was growing up, I lived with such a sense of um, of not being right with God, even though I would do all the right things, there was something within me that I just, I, I had a deep sense of um, needing to perform performance-orientated acceptance. And it wasn't until um, I came to to know God in a real living way, it says that the, that the blood of Jesus cleanses the conscience from dead works so that we can serve a living God. And I think growing up, because I didn't have faith and I didn't have the ability to see the reality of the gospel, I didn't know that I had been made right with God. And so I was trying to perform in order to be made right as opposed to living from my acceptance and from my righteousness and being able to have my my relationship with God flow from a place of Being reconciled with him and all of my actions and everything that I did flow from acceptance and flow from righteousness. I was trying to work my way towards that righteousness, and the harder I worked, the further away I seemed to get. And so it wasn't until receiving the reality of the gospel and the substance of righteousness that I was like, you know, read these verses in Hebrews, and it was almost like drinking a cold glass of water on a hot day. You know, it was like, man, the blood of Jesus cleanses the consciousness. Conscience from dead works so that I can serve a living God, you know? And so I was working, but my conscience was never cleansed, it was never never pure. But it wasn't until receiving the reality of the gospel that something changed on the inside that I finally realized that I've been made right with God himself, not through what I've done, but through what Christ has done, seeing by faith the finished work of Christ and all of a sudden being able to live from it instead of living towards it but never attaining to it. So to me it was a really powerful and and different change.
0: Can you unpack um, receiving the gospel the way you did that changed this whole reality. Cool.
1: So I think the way that I the way that I first received the gospel, I, I grew up coming along to church services, and I, I received it. I think Thessalonians talks are, probably puts words to it in a good way through word only, you know, and. I remember I received the gospel in word and I received it as like, this is something that I need to do to make myself right with God. And um, I, I think I'd shared before a couple of years ago at, at banquet, it, you know, it was, in receiving the gospel in that way, I w- like I said, I would read it and, and this is what I need to do. And I, I remember my ultimate, the ultimate pinnacle in my mind of living for God was doing things like going on missions trips and I remember I, I finally went on this this mission trip to Indonesia and I was walking through the jungle doing what I thought was God's ultimate calling for my life. It was the most relaxing environment I could possibly imagine. We were literally floating down warm rivers and we would get out at certain points along the way and, and pick fruit which were like mangoes which were just falling from the tree. It was It was like paradise on the outside and not only was it physical paradise, I was on a mission trip doing what I thought was the ultimate pleasing thing for God. And I remember we got out of the, the river and we were walking and it, was, it had just been raining and it was like the whole situation around us had this like amazing glow. And I, I just remember I caught myself in a moment and I was like, this is so relaxing. But on the inside, I was anxious and worried about whether I was doing enough for God on this trip, and I was worried about, um, you know, my position before him, and I was worried about all of these things, and I just remember catching myself, and I was like, man, this is the perfect scenario, and I finally reached the climax of what I thought life was supposed to be about, and yet something on the inside was still not right, and I I remember that moment so clearly, because it showed me that that what I what I thought this thing was about was not fulfilling me in the way that I thought it would, and so that that stuck with me, and I it, it was a real marker. And I I remember coming back from from that time overseas, and I was so desperate to know something that was bigger than what I had experienced. And I'd read these verses about the blood of Jesus cleansing the conscience, and I felt like I was living life to the fullest in God, and yet my conscience was condemning me on a daily basis. And I remember I, I didn't know what to do or how to, I, I had absolutely no idea how to enter into this thing. All I knew was that I would read things and hear things that I wasn't inside. It was always outside. And um, I, because I didn't know and I, I just would go and find space to pray, and I'd sit in the bush and I'd literally just cry out because I, I, I had no idea of a formula to how to get this thing that I was hearing from out of me into, into me. And 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 so I, it's, it's hard to describe because I can't say do this and you'll get it. I just know that there was a groan that welled up on the inside of me that I didn't know how to satisfy. And I would go and sit and spend time for myself and if I could, I, I, I can't put words into what it was. It, it, what was coming out of me was more like, Ah, that, uh, that, that's a more accurate expression than anything I could articulate. I just I knew that there was something in him that I had a snapshot of, but I, I hadn't received in me in, into a real way. And there were times that I would sit and cry, or times that I would sit and groan. I remember one particular time where the Holy Spirit, so I had no idea that I was sharing the story this morning, but. <laughs> I just remember this time where I was like, I I was sitting there, and I feel like I I saw something in me, of of this love that I probably had never tasted before, and I just remember thinking, man, if if that is God, if that is you, man, I I love you, you know, and. I don't know if this is theologically accurate by any means and it was almost like as I said God I love you the reality of that love almost like it materialized within me as I joined what I feel like I had just seen that I hadn't tasted or experienced before and the, and the thing that I had seen I felt like I, I I felt like I grabbed hold of it like it was life and death and as I started to say God I love you it's like it went from being something that I new in word to something that became real within me and it, and I was like, Man, I love you. And those words like poured out of me like a river. And 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 it felt like I went from being on the outside of this thing to the inside of it. And what was out here started to form within here and and the things that I had yearned for all of a sudden went from being outside of me to inside of me. And so to answer your question, <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> that that that's what it looked like for me, you know. And so I, I feel like I can all I can say is is, you know, it says it says in, in here in, in, in Hebrews it talks about that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I didn't know that I was diligently seeking him at the time. All I knew that I was so desperate and so broken on the inside that I needed him, you know, and, and so I feel like that was my, my way of seeking the reward that I received was, was Christ himself, you know, a living reality of him in me. And so I feel like I can describe that as as a time, but that was probably the start. Not of it wasn't a one off event. It was a, it, it took it took me and took me from being out of Him to in Him. And now I, I thought I would have called myself a Christian for a long time before that, but I feel like I went from being a Christian in word and in title to a, a Christian in terms of I had actually received the Christ within me. You know, um, and, and so it's quite humbling, you know to grow up being a Christian for a long time and realising you weren't a Christian at all or you, <laughs> or you were a Christian in word but actually not in the reality and substance of what it actually means to have Christ living within you but that probably was the start for me um, of, of being in him and knowing him in, in a real way so sorry, probably more, more than what you bargained for
0: fantastic <laughs> you know, because that's his way, meaning his, meaning God's way. It's like you can't put a method around it. You can't box it. You can't control it. You can't formulate it. It's outside of our capacity and our ability, but you can receive it when there's a connection that you can't describe, but your inner realm hits him because your inner realm, I love that, Cries out, there's a groaning deep within your spirit, so your spirit groans for the reality of what you might hear about. And that's why it's essential we don't write off what we hear about if it's not our reality, because if you write it off, you just shut yourself off from the possibility of receiving what you just heard. And, um, you know, I think we're so, like I said at the start, you know, we're naturally fleshly. And so we come to God thinking it's about right behavior. And that's what I heard Sam just say there. I've got to behave a kind of way. I've got to behave right to try and enter into this life rather than just going, I belong on the basis of what you've done, not on the basis what I can ever do, but on what you've done. But that's really hard for us um, because that's that's not the way we're wired. We're wired to perform. We're wired to do. We're wired to have to earn this. This is what the four did. So, you know, you're presented with this free gift, which you can reject and just keep going, no, no, I'm going to be a good lad and I'm going to prove my ability to enter in And you just go round and round the mulberry bush And so you actually never really get to live from the thing called faith Because the righteous live by it And so you have to first grasp the reality of what it is to be right in God's eyes And because unless you do that Your ongoing behaviour will always trip you up And you'll think you're not worthy So when you don't necessarily live up to what you think you should be living up to You'll beat yourself up continuously Because you're still behaviourally focused Focused and driven, and this is the challenge, you know. So righteousness is is so powerful. Um, you no, know, you can sin and you're still right before Him. And man, do we struggle with that one? Because once again, we're behaviorally based followers, and that behavior doesn't match up. But He goes, "My love trumps that behavior." Doesn't mean you don't confess what you've done. So don't hear me wrong, I'm not saying that, but it doesn't disqualify you out of what he's done. And in my own life, it propels me into him more. Chris, what are your thoughts around this righteous?
2: Um, First thing that I want to share, I just want to ask, Greg said um, that he sent an email out this week with this passage on it. Did anyone read it and spend some time on the the passage? Because just by way of encouragement, so... I'm not asking people to <laughs> stand up if they didn't read it. Um, this is, so what happens before we come together and share is that Greg sends us out the passage, whatever it is that we're going over, and we spend time sitting in it, just asking God to speak into it. And it's been a game changer for me. It's so powerful. It's not speed reading. We're not trying to get through some stuff. We're just giving God some time to speak and allowing him to unfold and reveal what it is that's right there that we can so often easily miss. And Bella and I are doing this as well with different passages, just short bits to get the most out of it, because he really does. And as, as I've been sitting in this, it's just been opening and opening, and it's fantastic. I think for me, one of the key parts of this is where faith originates. And that, to me, is the difference between faith and trust. Trust is something that grows over time, but it says in Hebrews that, that God is the author and perfecter of our faith. So he starts it, and then he perfects it. And, and it's no different from right at the very beginning. It says, in the beginning, God. He says, we love because he first loved us. So all these things have to come from him. So we're talking about Abraham and Isaac, or we're talking about Sam. God instigates something. And we respond to that. Where where there's a problem is where we step into something on assumption or because we have a trusting relationship, but he hasn't spoken it. So faith came. Abraham had faith because he believed something that God said to him. God started that. Abraham responded and went, I'll take that. And for me, that's the that's the part where he, where he says, the just shall live by faith. Now, if you've had this interaction with heaven, faith is this response to what it is that came from heaven, and we live by that. And that's going to change your life. So the difference between someone that knows who they are or someone that's trying to be who someone's told them they are is night and day. When God says, you you aren't this thing, you can't make this thing happen, but my son has done it for you and you're covered completely, faith is the response to that statement that goes, I believe it. I'm justified by what's been done for me, not because I've earned it. And that's why when Greg says, if you sin, it doesn't disqualify you. You're still a son. Who kicks their son out for going into the fridge when they shouldn't go into the fridge? Or, do you know what I mean? Like it's it, it, I don't want to... Minimize the effects of what sin can do if we're not living transparently and well before God. But he says, actually, when you know whose you are, you don't stop being whose you are. Yeah, good. And so, this father picture is just such a beautiful picture. And he says, now, when you know whose you are, your life, the life that you live by faith, looks completely different. Because one person who believes that they're a Christian but hasn't by faith, by truly seeing from an engagement that was instigated by heaven who they are, they sin and they become derailed because all of a sudden, who am I? What have I done? This isn't what I'm supposed to do. The the son goes, oh, that's a mistake. Oh, well, I'm moving forward. And faith will actually propel you to move forward as well because of who you are. And so the life that we live is completely different. And I just see this, I, I love this passage. I, I, in, in the process of chewing over this, you know, so many things turn up. Let me read you the first one. I'm glad that you started with 37 because I was like, I can't go from 38 without reading 37. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not delay. You know, if you translate that into, into English the way that I speak it, wait a little bit. And the one who's coming will come without waiting. So wait on, he won't wait. And it just makes you go, what, what are you even talking about? Wait, and he's coming without waiting. And you go, man, in, it, it actually sounds so funny, but it makes perfect sense. He's not coming right now. He's coming in his time, but when it's time, it is time. It's like it's like the Holy Spirit when he was poured out this Rushing mighty wind turns up. He hasn't been. He's been waiting. You know, he's hovering over the face of the waters. It all goes back to the beginning, doesn't it? He's over the face of the waters, waiting for this word to be spoken. And boom, there he go. He's he's there. And it's the same with the sun. And I feel like when you read that, and heaven has interacted with your life on that statement, and he says, "Now, the just shall live by faith." This is a statement. Do we have faith in us? That believes this statement he's coming he's coming back he's come as a lamb he's coming back as a lion we haven't seen it like this now live by this live from this reality
0: because he says you know like when I come back will I find what faith so there's an expectation because he's already been hasn't he So the the other side of the coin of what Chris just said Because Chris was referring to when he comes back a second time But he's already been here 2,000 years ago Where he said the time is now So he's expecting us to be living by faith Because the time was 2,000 years ago When he returns he's going Will I find what I expected 2,000 years ago when I arrive And this is why it says don't shrink back but be expectant and be um, confident in your heart because he's bringing with him something. So he's bringing with him a reward for those who have lived a life of faith. And so that's why we're not to shrink back. But see, the challenge is if, if we're unaware of the life that we are to be living, then all of a sudden fear starts to get a hold because all of a sudden Christ returning means the time is up. And I necessarily haven't entered into what I should have entered into because I may have been loving another child, a father, mother, brother, sister, my own position more than. So my time has been spent here, but the time has arrived. you hear? And this is what quickens us. It quickens our spirit to know that he's coming, expecting to find. Because let's be honest, when he turns up, what's happening before? Massive trials, massive tribulation are on the earth, isn't it? So when he turns up, this is pre-that. So this is going on and he's coming. So is he going to find a people of life, hope, love, who actually can stand in these days because they have this thing called faith? Not because they're loving their position, because their position is gone. Their job has gone. The food supply has gone A child may actually be against his father You may be getting dobbed in by your husband or your wife This is what this is saying And we need to be awakened to what this is saying So we don't get found out And we get found ready When he returns Because the bride has made himself ready She wasn't asleep Because it also says when he returns They'll be partying, marrying, having babies Living as normal And then he'll come. So this is our challenge or more our opportunity to fully grasp, I love what you guys were saying, who we are, how right we've been made so we can actually live by the substance called faith and hear and see in this unseen realm, which is the food source. When Jesus said man does not live on bread alone, he meant man does not live from earthly supply. Man lives from kingdom supply because kingdom has been on earth for 2,000 years and fully available to everyone with faith to partake of kingdom food, which is eternal, which builds a people of faith. So all this thing is interconnected. If we're not eating eternal food, we won't have eternal faith. We'll live a life where we'll probably be afraid a lot of our lives, and when whatever's happening outside of us is greater than inside of us, Wow, anxiousness and worry sit right at that door. And that's what the coronavirus is going around the world. It's a snapshot. It's a, it's a birth pang. It's not what's bigger, what's coming. Are we, have we awoken up to the reality that, you know, what would, what would it be like if we were in other nations? Well, what was it like here? And the possibility, so what's going on on the inside? Because fear can very easily get a hold of you because you're not in faith in a person but you might think you are but when you're tested then you'll know where you are and even in the testing if we get found out he's right there going time is now
1: and I think to me what you're saying is is so massive eh? and I think what we're talking about about righteousness and the role that right, you know, that knowing that we're right plays in this and I feel like to me the parable of the talons is like the is such a good example of that you know because he he gives, um, he gives you know some people um, ten talons, five talons, three talons, and he goes away and he wants to see what they've done with what they've been given and he says that he, he comes back and he finds that the person who has ten talents has, has done something good. He's invested it, he's made more, and, and the master's is stoked, you know? One with five, the same. The one with three goes and buries it, and he gets confronted by the master, and, and the master says, well, what, what have you done with what you've been given? And the person says, well, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping what you didn't sow, and so I've, I've, I've gone and buried what I was given because I was afraid, and here to me, you know we're, we're talking about two we're talking about two things which are actually really one thing when you hear it correctly it's faith, but he's saying if for this person here, he was afraid of who his master was, and that fear so crippled him so that his life was a, a was a reflection of his knowledge of his master yeah, and so when he started to hear about reward, when he started to hear about Preparing and about becoming a bride, when he started to hear about this heavenly calling, instead of starting from a place of rightness and God and being able to, you know, to be faithful to what it was that he had received and the rightness he he was living from, he was crippled by fear. And not knowing that he was right meant that he wasn't able to participate in the eternal promise and the eternal opportunity that had been laid out in front of him. And so I feel like this for us is such a massive thing as we start to look at things like the bride of Christ, as we start to look at things like the judgment seat and the reward for those who are faithful. If you hear it now through a lens of performance-orientated acceptance, you're going to write yourself out of receiving the reward before you've even started because you're working to become right you're not actually participating and engaging in the reward that God has for you and the life that he's laid out in front of you, having already been accepted. You know, um, And so to me, I feel like this is suchly a, such a vitally important thing for us to, to understand that we've been made right through faith so that we can get on being the people who he said that we are yeah. and living lives of faithfulness as a, an expression of what He's done for us and who He is in us, yeah. as opposed to trying once again to, to perform, you know. Yeah, that's right. So.
2: I feel like this um, this shrinking back thing is such a massive picture, right? Because when when external circumstances, like you're saying, guys, when external circumstances turn up, what's what's on the inside? Because this inside is actually the evidence of something which is unseen. And it's such a funny picture, because if you've seen what's unseen, which can't be seen naturally, i.e. if heaven has turned up in your life and awakened your sight to something which is beyond what you can naturally see, then what physically turns up in front of you doesn't have the power to shake you from what is eternal, because you're living in a reality that this thing isn't temporary. And I just think about Christ, the best example, right? He turns up, I mean, you're talking about tribulation. Can any one of us encounter a greater tribulation than everyone forsaking you, the religious authorities casting you out, beating you, being whipped and, and all the rest of it, and ultimately being led to your death and standing there in front of everyone and going, my kingdom's not of this world, and living like that? Because such is the example, right? this is this is what he's saying this is what faith does and and when we're talking about end times or the life that faith will produce in us, this is what that looks like he's the example and I feel like rather than shrinking back from this I mean just had a picture of what it looks like on a in building a house let's say so we dig these foundations and we've got sets of plans and the plan might go right your foundation for a pile needs to be. This deep, this square, and this size. And what you do is, before you're allowed to put concrete in there, either someone from the council or an engineer comes along and they've got this stick, this sharp, narrow stick, and they turn up and they go, and they put all their weight on it, and they push down into this hole that you've dug out to check whether the ground's going to be strong enough to take the load. Now, you might have been digging for a little bit. you are hoping it's going to be hard enough, because if it's not, there's more digging that's going to turn up, you know? And far from you know the, the the ultimate goal is that there's a house that's going to be able to stand or not shrink back when the real load turns up. And this is what God's doing. He's He's revealing those that are of his kind. We are to be like Him. This bride doesn't shrink back just like He didn't shrink back. And he's saying that you absolutely need to have this. So Israel when they were led out of Egypt, were unable to enter the promised land because they didn't have faith. He's, he's like, you can't live in this land. It's impossible for you to live in this place where faith is the currency. And that's what Greg put in his email. Faith is the currency of this this promised land. You can't even engage in what it is that I'm calling you into unless this living substance is found in you because it's, it needs to be in there so that it can grow. Because guess what? there's giants in there, there's all of these things that I'm going to be taking you through to paint a picture that it's not even about what it is that you can see, it's about this, and if you haven't got it, then you're going to have to stay right here. (laughs)
1: Uh, It makes me think of, you know, Chris, as you're talking about, you know, the you know, like, tribulation and what's going on outside, not shaking what's happening in here, you know? And I feel like Romans 5 is such a good example when it says, "'Therefore, having been justified by faith, "'we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, "'through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith "'into this grace in which we stand.'" And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proving character and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And to me, it's like having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, you know? And so often I think we can think of justification being about a ticket to heaven when you die, but he's actually saying that having been justified by faith, where there was worry and anxiety about the things going on around out here, there's actually now peace on the inside, you know? That even through tribulation and trial and everything else going on out here, it doesn't have the ability to rock and shake. Actually, it strengthens right. it yeah. because the situations around you only facilitate a greater opportunity yeah. to enter more into the eternal life that is forming inside of you, eh?
0: yeah. you know? so. The um. The you know it's, it's it's part of the the three isn't it you know faith hope love but the greatest of this is love and so faith must be defined through the lens of love as otherwise in corinthians it says well you can move a mountain by faith you can do what you do but if you don't even have love So you can see how everything is layered and everything has a position in God, even though he's one, you could you can see all the 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 intentionality of God and you know like first and second and you know, just as the guys were sharing, you know, this whole thing about righteousness, if if you haven't come into righteousness through revelation, you really struggle to share a gospel about righteousness. And you actually share a gospel from behaviour rather than belonging and so your your ability to actually represent the father well when sharing with another you know because it says here in 2 Corinthians that you know therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us and so God's making this appeal through the church but then it says he made God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there's a free gift. So unless you know that, it's very hard to actually share the true gospel. You'll share a gospel about a God who's about behavior, laws, rituals, getting right by behavior and all this, because you'll actually misrepresent God of righteousness who actually has done all the work. And all it is a matter of receiving But it must be received through this power It's not just through mental agreement Because the the other side of trying to earn it Is trying to do nothing Because you go, well I can't do it So I'm not even going to try to do it You see, that's the other side of the coin Of trying to be right And so you get stuck So you're stuck trying And you're stuck doing nothing You know, And it's this Revelation through the spirit, through the heart, arriving at a particular posture where it's breaking and falling apart and no longer in control of itself and a deep groan coming from the pit of your innermost being where God has wired for truth his son to sit and it just cries out like a groan and it's like it's a moan. It's like, you know, it's like, Aah! but the spirit hears it. And what he did comes and establishes his home within you and you were made right and you know you're right and it's something that's happened within you and you know when it happened and it's like, my goodness. And it's the offer that's too good because you didn't do anything to earn it apart from cry out. But it eternally changes you. Something on the inside eternally apostolically corrects you and aligns you like going to a chiropractor. It's like crack. I can walk. Oh, I'm free. You know, And yet it came with a crack, which is the power of the gospel, which says we must have the power of the gospel, the resurrected power that rose Jesus from the grave, comes into us, and we realize how right we are. And so you see what you've been saved from. And then he shows you what you've been saved for. And it's the four that propels you into faith Because all of a sudden You're seeing stuff going Are you for real? And he's going, yep All done through the power So the same gospel that saves you Is the same gospel that propels you into the future It's one and the same thing But you have a reference point For a gospel that changed you And you have a reference point for a gospel That's bringing you into the reality of what he says You know, it's no longer theory. You know, there's either the theory-based belief or there's the revelation, the reality-based belief through coming into what the gospel says. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Like if there was one man that was going to be ashamed of his past life, it was Paul. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what I've done. Why? Because in the gospel, it has shown me how right I am. In my ignorance and my unbelief and living a life of absolute blindness, when the gospel, the resurrection of Christ, hit my heart, opened up the eyes of my heart, and I could see, I realized how right I am, and that trumps what I've done. And he goes on, he says, the, my life is the demonstration of the patience of God. And I wonder how many times, I'm sure none of us live like Paul lived, to the measure he lived. And yet so often do we know the patience of God because we know the revelation of God, because we know how right we've been made, and how far we've fallen, and how we are so undeserved, but the one who was sent so we could become the righteousness of God and then now what? Live by this thing called faith because the righteous have been brought back into right order and now here's the next part of your journey is to start living from a faith but faith has its foundation in someone. And this is why we get the wishful thinking because faith is anchored in christ and so my lack of knowing christ creates a lack of faith the more i have a revelation of christ the greater my faith because it's in a foundation it's not just out there willy-nilly oh, i've got faith i've got faith i got faith no it's it's the knowledge that i carry it's the conviction of the knowing that i have in the person And when you know what's in the person and the Bible says that every promise is contained in the Christ, oh my goodness. So you just imagine that. Every promise that the Bible says is yes and amen, that is in the personhood Christ and you're getting revealed what's in the Christ. What are you getting? Faith. What do you now start seeing here? I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in the knowledge of God, that you would know the inheritance that sits within the saints. That you would know the power that raised you from the grave. That brings you into a reality because I'm on my knees praying for the church that you would know what I know, he said, so you could imitate me as I imitate the one we follow. And that you would live a life like I've lived by faith in your knowing of the person that made you right. <laughs>
1: it's massive, eh? And I think there's like there's no other way that we would ever come to the conclusion that we're that we're right with God apart from through the gospel, eh? You know, because I think our 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 inner realm, because we've been born into Adam Screams at us rejected, you know, and separate and not good enough and not worthy, you know. The only thing, even academic knowledge of what the, the cross has done for us won't do that because it'll always be trumped 100% of the time, every time, by what sits inside of us that condemns us before God, you know. The only thing that Paul could possibly receive that has him knowing that he's right in light of every. Thing that he's done and the way that he's lived as revelation of the gospel, and that's why it's so supernatural. And it, you know, what is it? Um, You know, for for the um, it's it's a foolish message to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You know, and that is the, the the. The reality of the gospel takes you and it changes you, not just in your academic thinking, it changes you on the inside that you go from feeling separate and feeling on the outside to being in and being accepted, part of his family, called, chosen, and now sets your life on a completely different track. You know, having received mercy, he says, um, uh, what does he talk about? In, In view of God's mercy now, Lay down your body, your lives as a living sacrifice. That's what's holy and pleasing to him. eh? But you have to have a view of something through revelation to be able to then live in in the way, live a life of faith. eh? That's
2: a good passage for that. For me, I I wrote down um, what a person does shows more about what they believe than what they say. And, And like that, in view of God's mercies, present your body as a living sacrifice. Faith, when it's received, will have us living differently, not just talking differently. And that's where this is the evidence of something that is unseen naturally, but seen spiritually. If we think about the, the apostles, they lived differently and died based on what it was they've seen. And people have been con- converted to faith or believed in Christ because they've gone I know that people might make up a good story. I heard a testimony this week of a guy that said that very thing. He said, I, I always thought that these guys had made up a good story, but when I found out how they lived after they had claimed that Christ had been resurrected, I believed because their lives were the evidence of something unseen. And we're called to be like that too. Our lives are to be the testimony of what we've seen.
0: It says that you know, wisdom is... Vindicated by her children, not knowing the ability to live. Wisdom, Jesus Christ, is the wisdom of God. So, the ability to live as Jesus is what makes right the children of God. It's what is evidence, the fact that you reflect and look and act like Him. That is what vindicates the very thing itself. And I love you, and I'm not ashamed. You know, that's something that a lot of people struggle with because of things that they've done, maybe doing, and so they carry around shame, and he said, I've been set free of shame, this gospel has set me free and made me right, and so God doesn't want anybody living with shame from the past, the present, and future. Because the gospel is dealing with that. And so often we go, oh, yeah, but, okay, well, Paul, I haven't killed the church. No, but maybe we've made some decisions and maybe we've made some things where we're actually still carrying some stuff around. And he's going, you know what? That's not to hold on you. That's, that's holding you back from living this life. And I want to sever that tie because the gospel has made me so right, I'm not ashamed of what I did. So I pray that encourages you to seek the reality of, Of the living gospel The power of the gospel Not just the words about what Jesus did But the work that happened The day he died and rose again There's a power that's associated with Christ He really is the gospel His life is the gospel message He said I am the resurrection It was what I did And what I demonstrated Not just words about what I did And so in Christ there is power, he's the wisdom to sever every little attachment, thought, hurt, unforgiveness thing that we may have because of stuff we've held to or because others have hurt us. And he wants to come and do a work to free you from that so you can fully let go and enter into this fullness. is that cool? Time flies, doesn't it? It's 12.06. I've got time for maybe one question. If there's no questions, we'll wrap But Anyone got a question you'd like to ask? Lisa, yep, in the back, cool. Hold on, just wait. Oh, hello, hello.
3: Thanks, Danny. Yeah. Um, thanks very much, Sam and Greg. I really appreciate what you've been sharing about performance-based performance based Um having been in the uh, public service for over 30 years, so I've been trained that we get rewarded based on performance management systems and, and and task-oriented. So you get rewarded for good performance and meeting your targets. And it took me a long time to uh, let go and let God because God tells me through different people to be still and just... Let go and just rest in him and let him do the work. So I've learned, it taken me a long time to learn not to strive but to let God do the work. But having said that, I've got one area that I really need to, to clarify. So while we are all saved by faith in Christ Jesus, but we've been told not everyone receives the crown of righteousness and that we have to earn our crown of righteousness So, and that God rewards those, you know, for your deeds. So, can you just clarify while we are told on one hand that we don't have to work and strive for, you know, our rewards, but on the other hand, we have to earn our crown of righteousness?
1: Thanks. I think that's such a good question, eh? (laughs) Um, So, so to me, there's there's righteousness that's. that's received in a moment that we know that we've been made right with Him, but He's looking to to do a work in us where we live lives of righteousness. So, to me, it's a it's a two part thing. It's it's becoming who we are in Him, and and so there's a there's something that we've received. It's um, righteousness that we receive. received, but there, He wants that righteousness to 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 become. For us to become a full living expression um, of that righteousness, so to me, that's the that's the crown of righteousness that he's talking about. That um, having now been made right by his blood, now he's wanting to, to transform us in the, on the inside so that our lives reflect the righteousness that he lived from. To me, that that's the the distinction there. So.
0: Yeah, because it's also being able to demonstrate the reality of that as well. So it's becoming like Christ and then living in the manner Christ lives. So being able to fulfill the commandment is an act of righteousness, godliness, because you have been made right, you're growing in Christ, and just because you're growing in Christ, you're able to keep the commandment. So, the difference is in the way in which things are trying to be outworked. Okay, so there are absolute works that will be rewarded by Christ. There is the righteous acts of the saints, is the bridal garment. So, it is about becoming. In nature and character, in the life of Christ, and it's also about the works of Christ and the doing. So it is both, but they all must be lived out from Christ. So every work we do must be what? Inspired by God. Not just because I think, it has to come and initiated from the Spirit. I need to do it from the power of the Spirit that's within me. So there's a whole defined order of one. So it's again, it's the two-sided coin, but it's one coin. So there are works, tangible physical works, that God has for us as a body, and he has for us as individuals. And depending on your obedience, you'll get a reward or not. Okay? So it's just like in a natural house. The physical typology that God gives us is family. I don't reward my children for their behavior if it is out of alignment to the home of the simnor I still love my children I want to encourage my children to become the fulfillment of what hear me in the natural what I would we deem as a simnor to be someone who gives back someone who thinks of others someone who's serving okay not taking not all that stuff so it's like there are works that we need to be doing inspired, led, infused, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the challenge is that the Spirit must be behind all of that and guiding all of that and in that. And that's why Jesus says, I'm coming back with my reward. And this is why the kingdom reward is based on obedience See to the conditions. So this is very conditional goes from unconditional and then it becomes conditional based on this reality that's being outworked within you so you're becoming like him through his power, his word and then you're stepping out and walking in the manner in which he walked and the first work the first functioning work is the commandment it's to love God and love people and so here's the challenge for the church because you can raise a dead person and still not love people the way you're commanded to love. That's the challenge, isn't it? You can prophesy and have no love in you. The Bible says if you can do all that, it's, it's pointless in my kingdom. I'll let you do it. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. We looked at this all last year, a whole year on that that's now there in the foyer, love. So you can do this, you can do this, but if you don't have this, you may as well not have done it. You can burn up your entire life, waste of time, if you didn't have the substance of me in you. It was me three throughing you. I've given you my strength so you can glorify my name. There's nothing worse than someone trying to live out in their own strength. They don't glorify God, they whinge. Because when things don't go the way they go because you're doing it out of you, you don't glorify God, you start complaining. And so everything must be anchored in him, through him, for him, around him. But we happen to be the vessels that God uses. It's so awesome because you know it's not you doing it, but you're the one he uses. So just like I read out, God's going to use us as ambassadors as if God was making his appeal through the church to the people to get reconciled. That's a role. That's a ministry for the body of Christ to be ministers of reconciliation. That's an act of work to be sharing with people your faith. So you're going to be judged on that. You'll be judged on whether you made any disciples. And this is the weight that we have to receive because it's not heavy, but it's weighty. And unfortunately, I'm not sure gospel what gospel you've heard, but you know, there's there's all sorts of gospels flying around. You know, God loves you and that's it, full stop Well that's part of, there's the grace gospel Doesn't matter what you do, God forgives it, full stop So it's the whole gospel that we must know and come into Because for much is given, much is expected I've been given much So I just can't go, see ya, because I have enough If I do, I put my inheritance on the line because I need to finish this race of faith, don't I? And so it is conditional based on the way we live, but the way we live is based on our love and his empowerment, not on Greg trying to do it. And that's so close And we must be able to hear that And see that in the spirit Because that's where the hoodwink is When we hear it in the flesh And try to come into it in the flesh And that's why that is such a great question Lisa Because there's two sides of the coin You don't earn it Work out it Well which one is it? It's one and the same <laughs> just, don't get,
1: just don't get them mixed up around the wrong way you That's know? right
0: so and that give me an example of that fellowship and function are they both in yes cool but there's an order isn't there so fellowship function comes out of fellowship fellowship will never come out of function and so there's an order god doesn't just want us for what we're going to do for him Primarily, it's not about that. Like in any family, none of us got married. I didn't get married to Danny, so what she could do for me. I didn't have children, so they could do stuff for me. Great, now I've got kids to mow the lawns, do the weed eater. This is getting good. I've got a wife that does all that. I can sit down and do nothing. That's how some men live. Maybe that's why we do them, and vice versa. No, 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 I, I, I got married to Danielle to share, to have fellowship, to share my life with her and for her to share her life with me and for us to become one. And then you have children because you want to share your life with them. And, you know, It's not for function. Function doesn't even come into it. And then, sure, there are some things out of love that we're going to do, and this is what it is like for God, but it never starts in function. But if you've heard a functional-based gospel, then you don't have time to even know who he is because whoever's leading that, guiding that has got you out there doing stuff and you're like, I don't even know the guy. <laughs> how, do you, how do you share about someone you don't even know? Well, I'll sort of tell you about what he did. But I've got no idea who he is and he's not changing me. No, that's right. And God had to apprehend me from that. Ten years ago I said, son, stop leading my people to the lost. They don't know me the way I need them and want them to know me, which means they can never know who they are and they'll function out of themselves. And that's where you get burnout and stress. And so the ultimate is you end up misrepresenting him as well. Now, please don't hear me. It doesn't mean we don't go. We are called to go, but we go from a place of fellowship, oneness. And so God's building that as he's saying share your faith with this person because the disciples were not in this when Jesus said come follow me so it's a work in progress Okay, so the two fellowship and function are being outworked as we live our lives but there is an order to them and if you get around the wrong way you'll get tired frustrated your identity will be in what you do so if anyone says I don't want you doing that you'll manifest that you'll be so bound up, you'd be bound up. And, you know, it, it, it's not who he wants us to be. So great question. If you need clarity on that, feel free to come up now afterwards and just dial because it is a hearing. We've got to hear that rightly. Otherwise, we'll, um, we'll hear it wrong. Awesome. Oh, well, have a cool afternoon. Um, Café. and I hope you enjoyed this morning the coffee and stuff and we'll see what he wants to do for next Sunday Um, come out at 5pm tonight and uh, be part of the banquet feast as well